day and people are out there they're getting excited they're getting heated oh man today is gonna be the day that we fix america or at least so you are told <laughs> hey guys what's up my name is matthew spazzitti and welcome back for another episode of the matthew spazzitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics so um yeah it is election day it is november 3rd and we will see what's going, who is actually going to be elected. I still think it's Donald Trump personally, um, but you know we'll see how it's going to really go out and, and how it play out and whatnot. I, I don't really. I'm rather indifferent as to the actual results of the election. I know that might actually make many of you angry because many of you have um, largely fallen for this idea that democracies and republics are are the way forward, and that we got we got to vote in the right guy. We just got to vote in the right guy and all this kind of stuff. And you know, honestly, I find that to be in principle, at least, not that different from the arguments of, of, you know, the Venezuelans when it came to Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro. I mean, they were always saying, well, they just didn't implement the right system. They're just not the right person. We just got to get the right person involved instead of accepting the fact that it's the system that's the problem. And I'm actually seeing a lot of Republicans and Democrats do exactly the same thing. Well, you know, it's not the system. You know, it's not it's not the system at all. It's 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 largely the the, the politicians and things of that nature, which you know I I, I don't agree with. I, I think it's the system overall, and therefore the system is broken and cannot be fixed. And voting doesn't really matter. But that said, that's actually not what we're going to talk about today. Today, I wanted to talk about what really destroys nations. Okay, this is a an interesting topic at hand. It was something I had the thought of yesterday uh, while I was having a heated discussion with some really, really good mentors and friends of mine. You know, they were t- asking me why I wasn't going to vote, and it was this whole long, drawn-out, a bit of an argument of tiff between me and them. You know, they're, they're big supporters of voting and whatnot, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and I love them dearly, and they're great friends, and they're great mentors, some of the best mentors I've ever had in my entire life. Actually, I would argue they are the best mentors I've ever had in my entire life really. But that said, though, we're not really going to get into that whole topic and everything, you know, uh, and not really dive deep into the differences between the two candidates and how there's not really that big of a difference between the two. You know, we're not really going to dive in. I was just saying that out of that conversation came this idea that I had in my head of what really destroys nations, the true destroyer of nations. And, you know, it was a really, really good uh, topic that I thought about. I'm like, you know what? That's great. We should definitely talk about that on the show and uh, just kind of go from there, really. So let's let's go ahead and hop into that. So what is the true destroyer of nation? What destroys nations regardless of the political system set in place? You know, what? what is it? You know, I mean, look, regardless of whether you have a monarchy, whether you have a republic, whether you have a democracy, whether you have an oligarchy, whatever, a theocracy, whatever kind of system that you think is the best system, ultimately, none of them will ever work because of this one simple human trait. It seems funny at first, but it, it makes sense. The truth is, is what really destroys a nation 
is forgetfulness, right? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, it's not really, you know, it's not this big grand thing. It's what, you know, we was like, what, Matthew, you're saying people forget? Yeah, obviously people forget. Who cares? How does that destroy nations? Well, let me put it in an example. At one point in time, there are generations throughout nations that ultimately believe in the liberty and freedoms of the people. And they believe that every, that there needs to be liberty and there needs to be freedom in order to create peace and prosperity and progress in the nation. Right. This has been seen time and time again, uh, you know, in other cultures and other empires, when there is freedom and liberty to the individual, you you see a wealth, a a massive amount of prosperity that grows out of the nation. And it's truly an amazing thing to witness. However, over time, nations, the people Whoever's in power, whether it's an oligarchy, whether it's a republic, whether it's a democracy, whether it's even a monarch, over time, they forget what truly made them great and wonderful. What truly allowed them to become prosperous. And they, they forget about all that. And, they, and, and then they start to abuse the system. They start to take advantage of all the great wealth and prosperity. As generations die and are born, you tend to see that the newer generations believe less and less in the type of beliefs of liberty and freedoms that the older generation believed in. And over time, as, as new generations come, the older generations don't do a good job at making sure that the new generation had it drilled into their head about the significance of the freedoms and the liberties that made their nation so great. And eventually what happens is a new generation that doesn't believe it and ultimately doesn't support it, and therefore you have, and that generation ends up destroying, that and other generations end up destroying the very prosperity that they had created, all because they forgot what really created that wealth and prosperity. It's really kind of a sad story, but it's really one that you see happening all the time. As nations live on for long periods of time, and as the new generations are brought up, eventually the principles of freedom and liberty are forgotten. You know, this is an issue with monarchy too. What you tend to see is that, you know, some monarchs are really, really good and they really value the freedom and the, and the liberties of their people. They really promote a lot of that, you know, freedom and liberty and private property and things of that nature. But then over time... The newer generation of monarchs tend to forget about that. And as a result of forgetting, or at least completely disregarding it, saying that it's not important, I would still say they did that because they forgot. But because of that, they end up abusing the very system and the very features of their nation that made their nations great. So yeah, monarchs have this issue as well. As new and newer generations of monarchs come about, they and they, they start to live with so much wealth and power and prosperity in their nation, they forgot what created that. And then on top of that, democracies and republics have the exact same issues. As they live with all their wealth and power and successes for long periods of time that were ultimately created by generations in the past who knew about the importance of liberty and freedom... They eventually forget, as time goes on, with all this wealth and power and success, they eventually forget what created and allowed for that wealth. Forgetting, ladies and gentlemen, is what really destroys nations. It really is. Now think, of, think about this, for example. Okay, think about an ex um, a wall. 
for a tribe, okay? Let's assume there's a small community of people that live in this forest, and they are constantly raided all the time by neighboring tribes. They're attacking, they're stealing their stuff, they're killing their men, they're stealing the women, you know, they're doing all kinds of horrible things to them. So this tribe finally decides to stand up for itself and decides we need to build defensive structures. So we as a community need to come together. We need to pay, we all need to contribute to this wall. And we need to build a wall, a watchtower. We need to get some bowmen up there. We need to have defensive structures to prevent ourselves from being attacked. We all need to contribute to it. Otherwise, it'll never work. So what we all need to do is, in the meantime, we need to build up a military force. A force that is willing to, a militia, willing to defend the town. Watch guards, all kinds of stuff. And in the meantime, we will, all be, we will hold them off. And we will all contribute our own resources, our own products of our labor and things of that nature. We will all contribute, we'll contribute our skills and our knowledge and what, and what wealth we have in order to create this wall, this defensive structure so that we can live a prosperous life. In the meantime, there's a lot of unity in the town and you see the people come together in maybe a way that they hadn't done been before. I'm not saying that there was a lot of, you know, contention and a lot of division in the town beforehand, but you know, you never, you never know. Maybe there was. Maybe that was why they never could get their act together as to why they were constantly raided. Maybe that's why it took them so long. Either way, there's a lot of unity because there's a common interest, a common enemy. So they all band together. To unite, they all contribute their wealth, contribute the products of their labor. They build this wall, and then they achieve true prosperity. Peace is now something that we can look forward to, this town can look forward to, for long, long periods of time. So that encourages the lowering of time preferences. What are, what are time preferences? Time preferences are the willingness for people to more or less practice self-control, and to ultimately abstain from consumption, immediate consumption, and to have a longer outlook on life so that they could ultimately engage in investments because they know their future is secured. Peacefulness, you see, is a necessary component of economic wealth and prosperity. It has to happen. If there is no, if there's no semblance of peace, then no one will want to invest in a house. No one will want to invest in the stock market. No one will want to invest in anything, maybe even businesses for that matter. No one's going to want to invest. No one's going to have a low time preference. Everyone's going to have a high time preference. Again, a high time preference is I'm going to consume as much as I make, never saving, never investing, never improving my situation. And a high time preference has a very short time horizon. They can't see into the future. Whereas a low time preference is one of I'm going to consume, but I'm going to curtail my consumption a little bit. I'm going to save and invest. And not just with my money with regards to a bank account or maybe the stock market, but I'm also going to invest my time in other things that are going to help me be more prosperous in the future, such as a business or things of that nature. You see, as the wall was built and as they're able to defend their town, now peace is restored to this little community of people. And now the lowering of time preferences can happen. The people can start to focus on the future. They can start to save, invest, create businesses. There's a reason to. Barbarians aren't going to come in and raid us anymore. 
and you see prosperity, unlike that has ever been seen in this community before. You see businesses grow, you see wealth grow, you see bigger families being created, being born out of this prosperity. As the, as the generations continue to invest in this community, invest in the wall, they continue to come together in unity. They stop bickering about their differences. As they continue to do this, more and more prosperity is created. And, and over time, you start to realize that the, the nation, the little community has grown. It's grown bigger. And the barbarians have gone away. In fact, the military might may have even grown as well. Defenses are bolstered. They're fortified. There's more militia than there have been before. Now they're becoming a really true force worth to be reckoned with. You know, and, and what happens is that over, the over time, over years, the barbarians got the hint. They moved on. They went for the path of least resistance. They said it's too difficult. We're not strong enough to take them on. Let's find other ones. Right? We'll, we'll raid other tribes. So peace continues. The barbarians no longer want to invade. In, in the end, as time went on, the, the barbarian tribes were there, but no one had seen them for years. Some people didn't even, some people believed they had moved on. Maybe some of them had. But the point is, is that as the prosperity and the peace had continued for generations, the younger generations didn't see the need in the wall anymore. Now that they were becoming older and they want, and they were ultimately becoming the older generation and they had the wealth and they had the power and the prosperity, they didn't want to contribute the product of their labor to the wall anymore. All they wanted to do was to sit back and enjoy more peace and, and not really put up with contributing to this wall. So what eventually happens? No, the community decides to bicker and fight again. They stop contributing to the wall. The unity in the tribe, the community, is no longer there. Now there's division. Di you know, division because different people within the community value different things. There's no common enemy anymore to unite them. And in the end, they stop contributing to the wall, they stop keeping up with it, and it falls into disrepair. It falls into disarray. The wall is, is, they don't even have watchmen on the wall anymore. No one's willing to pay for it. No one's willing to invest in it. They don't see it as necessary for the survival of their community. They don't see it as a necessary investment for their, for their community. And eventually the, fall, the wall is unguarded, under disrepair. So what eventually happens? Well, as you might imagine, whether it's the same barbarian tribes or whether it's new ones, it doesn't matter. Uh, foreign interests start to take notice in the idea that, hey, there's a lot of prosperity over there. They've grown it. They're looking a lot juicier than they were before. Oh, and by the way, the walls, yeah, we have been noticing there haven't been people on them. In fact, they're kind of starting to crack and decay and no one's really keeping up with them. So foreign interests start to take notice of the disrepair of the defenses of this nation. And then eventually one day, they mount an attack 
after a lot of spying, after a lot of investigation, they they determined that it would be easy to take them. They're, the this community is divided. It's it, it's not in there. There's no unity there anymore. And in the end, there's no unifying force in order to allow for the wall to be maintained and, and prosperity to continue. So the barbarians invade. And this time, they decimate the whole thing. They come in. They take everything. They destroy everything. And this once great community who used to know of the dangers of conflict, the dangers of not having a wall and putting up their defenses. They forgot about all that. And they only had to get it wrong once. They only had to forget one time. And as a result, the barbarians came in, decimated the whole place. And that was the end of the community. You see, it was the forgetfulness of the younger generations of times going on where they lived with so much peace, so much prosperity. They don't understand what created the peace and prosperity. They don't understand what true risks are really out there. And, you know, in the story that I'm describing here, it's not a monarchy. Although it could still, the same story could still be there for the monarchy. Perhaps the unifying force was a monarch who, who had taxes to keep up with the wall and then the people revolted and didn't want the taxes. So the, the monarch said, okay, fine. And, you know, maybe the people forced the, the hand of the monarch. Maybe the monarch himself decided the wall wasn't even necessary. Maybe the monarch started to overtax his people. Abuse his people, abuse the wealth and prosperity. You see, this is a, a, a younger monarch, a newer generation of monarchy that perhaps forgot what really created the wealth and prosperity that the older, you know, monarchs before him had, had figured out. He forgot about that. Disregarded it. Forgetting the importance of it. Eventually, the whole thing has plays out exactly the same. Whether it's a community of people in an anarcho-capitalist society, whether it's a community of people in a democracy, a republic, an oligarchy, a theocracy, a monarchy. But you see, what truly destroys the nations is the forgetfulness of the people, the forgetfulness of the monarchs, the forgetfulness of what really created real, true prosperity in the kingdom. And this is what really honestly destroys and this is what really destroys nations ladies and gentlemen that said guys we're get, let's go ahead and jump into the affiliate programs ladies and gentlemen if you are interested in learning how to become a forex trader then go to tier one trading tier one trading is the number one trading coach platform for forex trading they are going to teach you all kinds of different awesome skills with regards to technical analysis you know, how to create a trading strategy, how to backtest and forward test that strategy, how to engage in money management, how do I have advanced pattern recognitions. There's all kinds of cool stuff that they're going to teach you. If you guys are interested in taking control over the source of your income and you're interested in getting involved in Forex trading, uh, they're a great place to go. Honestly, they're the best place to go in my personal opinion. So go check them out. They're absolutely amazing. They're going to teach you the, the art and the skill of trading, which is highly, highly valuable skill and is really underrated by so many people. It's not too complicated. Anyone can learn it. It just takes time and passion and that's real and persistence. And that's really what is required to learn the skill. And tier one trading will give you 
all the necessary skills and the knowledge that you need in order to become a consistently profitable trader. So if you're interested in that, go check them out. And guys, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn a skill, look, whether we are in good times or bad times, we should always be investing in our own human capital and our own skills and ourself in which we should always be trying to make ourselves more valuable. So ladies and gentlemen, look, whether whether you just want to make yourself more valuable at your job that you're currently at, whether you want to try to make yourself more valuable to get a job, and whether you want to, you know, maybe start a business and you want to teach people something, but you don't really know what you want, ladies and gentlemen, go to Skillshare.com. Skillshare is an online education platform that has thousands of high quality courses that teach you all kinds of stuff, anywhere from photography to how to fly drones to computer coding to trading, all sorts of stuff. So if you're interested in learning a new skill for whatever reason, whether it's to try to figure out what kind of business you want to do or what, go and check out Skillshare. They're absolutely amazing and you're going to learn a lot. There's so many cool things there. Guys, I personally have used it for YouTube ads. I've used it for email copywriting. I've used it for website design. I mean, I've used it for tons of stuff and I'll probably continue to use it for stuff uh, well into the future. So it's really, really great. It's not that expensive. It's pretty cheap. So if you're interested in any of that, go check them out. Last but not least, if you guys have been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that we've been talking a lot about inflation in the potential risk of inflation ticking up in the next couple of years, you know, possibly, you know, nobody really knows, but we know that inflation is coming. And ultimately, that's a very, very scary thought because it's basically a hidden tax and it erodes your wealth, it erodes your savings, and it can erode your investments if your investments are not getting enough returns to overcome the, the, the inflationary rate itself. So ladies and gentlemen, you know, what is the one thing that you guys can do to avoid this? Now, this isn't financial advice of any kind. This is merely what I like to do. But, you know, one of the things that you guys can do is you can invest in silver, precious metals. You can invest in cryptocurrencies and real estate as well, you know, assets and whatnot. You can certainly do that as well. But precious metals, particularly silver, offers a very, very great way to hedge against inflation. Okay. You know, it's not that expensive. Just about anybody could get involved. It doesn't cost that much money. You can buy silver coins, whether they're bullion coins from sovereign mints or round coins from from private mints. It doesn't really matter whether they're silver bars. I mean, but look, silver is very, very inexpensive. It's one of my favorite ways of, of building up that portfolio that hedge against inflation. You know, look, as inflation continues to rise and continues to erode the value of the dollar, the monetary devaluation, as that continues to happen, we need something that's going to rise with inflation. The more money printing that they engage in, whether it's physical or digital, is going to decrease the value of the dollar and ultimately puts your savings and your investments at risk. So one of the best ways that I try to hedge against all that is I buy silver. I buy assets that are going to rise with the rate of inflation. Or And it's not a perfect hedge. that doesn't follow 100%. But ladies and gentlemen, it's one of the best ways, in my most humble opinion, to, get, to build up that insurance policy and to hedge against inflation. So if you guys are interested in building up your, your portfolio of precious metals, of silver, whatever you guys want to do. If you're interested in that at all, go check out Money Metals Exchange. Ladies and gentlemen, Money Metals Exchange is a great company that sells awesome products with regards to the precious metals. They've got coins, they've got their bullion coins, they've got their round coins, they've also got bars. 
And they even have some specialty items. If you ever wanted to own a silver bullet, you can buy it from them too. They got a lot of really cool stuff there. So if you're interested in building that portfolio and building and and, and getting that insurance policy that, that that hedge against inflation, they're a great place to go. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in starting that, go check them out. And when you do, and if you are a new customer. Okay, you, you have to be a new customer, and when you mention my name, when you buy your silver, when you buy your precious metals, you and I will both get a free silver coin. Again, in order to get involved in this, you have to be a new customer, and you have to mention my name when you go ahead and you go buy. But ladies and gentlemen, it's it's really great. I mean, it, it's a really great way to increase your precious metal holdings and get just give you a little bit of a jump start on that portfolio. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. I love these programs because in reality, they are programs where we both benefit and it's absolutely amazing. So, so I love it. So go check it out if that's something you're interested in. Now, with that said, you can you look out over our nation today the United States, Canada, or Europe, maybe you live in Germany, can you look at your nation and say that your nation respects the freedoms of the people? Now, I'm not trying to say that the countries I just mentioned do or don't. All I'm saying, i literally asking you a question. Can you look at the country that you live in today, whether you are a citizen or not is irrelevant. Can you look at the country that you live in today? And say to yourself and admit to yourself that the country that I'm in respects the freedoms and liberties of its people. Or is the country violating the freedoms and liberties of its people? Some of that's a little subjective. You know, it depends on what you define as liberties and freedoms. You know, uh, you know, I would say taxation is is abusing of the freedoms and liberties of its people, abusing and stealing the product of the citizenry's labor or regulations. I mean, that would be another thing. But, you know, it's very difficult to, to see a nation, particularly in the 21st century, that doesn't have taxation. It's very difficult to see a nation that doesn't have any form of regulation either. And I'm not saying that all regulations are bad. I'm just saying that there's a lot of regulations that are not at all in the interest of the people and are very much telling you what you can and cannot do with your own private property. That is an abuse of your freedoms and liberties and things of that nature. But can you look at your nation? I, I'll be honest. I look at my nation, the United States of America. I, I, I can't say that they've remembered what truly made them free. You see, I look at the Democrats, I look at the Republicans, and I see that they both have forgotten what really made our nation great. Not only have they forgotten the importance of it, they now despise it because they've thrown it out of their minds. Due to their forgetfulness, they have disregarded it entirely, even demonized it. And now they're off fighting amongst themselves. There's more division than this nation has ever seen. Sure, this nation has seen lots of division over its years, but there's a lot of division today. It's not good. Even on the Republican side, you look at them and you, you, you ask yourself the question, you know, do they remember what truly lent prosperity? Some of them do. Some of them do to some extent. They understand the basic principles, but yet they still support trade tariffs, punishing China. They still support social security, which is a wealth redistribution program. A Ponzi scheme should be illegal. They still support things like attacking big tech companies, accusing them of being monopolies when they're not. 
Now, I'm not trying to say that these monopolies haven't become big and fat and bloated on government regulations that's, that's really, really hurt their competitors, so they've been able to become very large. I'm not saying that that hasn't happened. It was the very government that created these big tech companies and, and big corporations in the first place. You know, funny enough, it's the Republicans, it's the, it's the, the politicians who want, and not just Republicans, but it's the politicians who want to point to these big tech companies and accuse them of being corrupt and evil and monopolies and we need to attack them. What, what, do you, what, what, are, what is their suggestion? Oh, more regulation? The very thing that created the big corporations in the first place? Huh, that's interesting. And who does that benefit? Well, it typically benefits the corporations. Typically benefits the governments, the politicians themselves. Gives more power and more money into the hands of the politicians. In fact, the big corporations very well may have lined the pockets of the politicians in order to get them to stir up this, this idea that, you know, Google's a monopoly. Now look, there's a lot of bad things with Google. Okay? It's a lot. It's a big progressive company that believes in the supremacy of big government. Heck, I mean, they're, they're working hand in hand with China to create social ranking systems. I'm not in support of Google or, or, or Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, by the way. Not, I'm not in support of them. What I am saying is they never would have gotten as large as they did had it not been for the aid of our government that allowed it in the first place. And the government just wants to tell you and start to highlight the, the issues. But really what they're doing is they're highlighting the issues that they created. And they're trying to convince you that giving them even more power is going to fix the problem. No, that, that, that's not going to happen. Giving them more power is only going to make the problem worse. Going to make the, uh, you know, further hurt competition. Make the companies bigger, stronger even. Even if you divide the companies of Google, guess what? Alphabet will just buy them all up. Be the majority shareholders. This has happened in history time and time and time again. Even if you separate them, there will be an entity that comes along and purchases them all and ends up becoming even bigger and stronger than it was before. So you know who, who wins? The oligarchy in America today. The big businesses, big corporations, and the corporate and the government politicians that they get in bed with. You see, even the Republicans, even the quote unquote conservatives today have forgotten. Under the Republican, you know, administration that's in there right now, they we have seen the government deficit grow. We have seen debt, government debt grow at alarming rates, far beyond any Democrat administration we have seen. Far beyond any Democrat administration. Can the Republicans really claim that they are fiscally conservative anymore? I don't think so. How could they? They're in favor of trade tariffs, a trade war. They're in favor of an increase in debt, an increase in spending. You know, I mean, I, I, I fail to see how conservatives can call them, con themselves conservatives anymore. The fact, or matter, the fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's not about Republicans or Democrats. And that's, you know, it's, it's about the, fat, the people. 
And the very people have forgotten what made their nation great. Uh, the people are the ones that serve in government too. The people are the ones that work in big corporations. They're in the edge. They're all over. It's these people that have forgotten what really made the nation great. And they're forgetting all the time. They want central planning. Socialism. Communism. Reparations for minorities. For crimes that were committed generations ago. That no living person today had anything to do with. The absurdities continue. They just multiply. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that what really destroys nations is forgetfulness. And it's a human trait. It doesn't matter what system you put forth. It has destroyed nations and it is going to continue to destroy nations. It's man's sinful nature, if you want to look at it that way. Man's sinful nature... And when I say men, I don't specifically mean men as the gender. I mean humanity. Humans are sinful and forgetful. And as a result, it doesn't really matter what system you choose, what system you argue about. I'm, I'm in favor of monarchy. You hear me talk about monarchy a lot here on the show. It's the system that I, I'm in favor of. You know, I understand that there's a lot of, of, of fallbacks with regards to monarchy, but I think given the incentive structure with regards to the, the governing system that's, of all the governing systems, I think that monarchy has one of the better incentive structures to promote freedoms and liberties, or at least to create a prosperous society for a longer period of time than all the others. But, you know, I could be wrong. It's just from things that I've seen, things that I've read, my own research on the subject, and it's rather ongoing. That's kind of how I'm, how I see it. Now, granted, I, I, there are systems that I've seen before that are not outright monarchs, but it's a mixture of monarchy and republicanism, where you have an, an aristocracy, you have a nobility, a group of nobles that basically elect a king, and the kings serve as absolutes. That is a system that was the Venetian system. The the aristocracy, the noblemen basically elected uh, the doges, and the doges were actually kings and whatnot. And that system survived for 1,100 years. And it didn't really have a very, very sharp decline. It didn't have a, you know, a destructive downfall where millions of people starved and died. Didn't have that. Sure, eventually the Venetian Empire fell apart. Eventually, you know, they got involved in foreign wars and foreign interests with regards to the war between Florence, another republic, and Milan. And they got involved in that all the while their trade routes started becoming uh, less and less popular. And so the, their incomes and their revenues were falling and then they went and engaged in a very expensive activity, which was war. You see, a lot of Venice actually was very much stay away from foreign entanglements, stay away from foreign affairs. Would the United States adopt that kind of principle? How wealthy, how much money do we just burn on senseless wars? I'm not saying every war is senseless. There are some wars out that are worth fighting when our liberties and our freedoms are truly at risk. But outside of that, ladies and gentlemen, I mean... Most of the wars that are fight that we are fighting today, we are in a constant state of war, and I don't believe that our liberties and freedoms are at risk at all. What I am saying, though, is that as Venice started to forget, you see, even the nobility in Venice, the noblemen started to forget 
about the importance of staying out of foreign affairs, about the importance of focusing on their success. You see, they were even going to invest in the Suez Canal and they were going to invest in another trade route that would continue the prosperity of their nation. Eventually, that was given up on. They didn't follow through and they got more distracted with the wars than they did with ensuring their trade routes were successful and protected and all that kind of stuff. Over time, Venice, while they did, I believe, win the war against Milan, they had to unite with the French monarchy. And then they played second fiddle to France for the rest of the existence of Venice. Venice still stands today. Venice wasn't leveled. But it's not the powerhouse anymore. It's a tourist attraction today. It was, But hey, on the positive note, it didn't end in misery. So I guess what I'm trying to say is even a monarchical republic like Venice would still be a better system than what we have today. One that I would be in favor of, even though it's not an absolute monarchy. See, it doesn't really matter what system there is. And this is, I guess, the point that I want to make uh, is I know I talk a lot about monarchy and stuff. I mean, my ideal system personally is a highly decentralized form of absolute monarchy where you have monarchs that are in charge of individual cities, not even states. So if you're thinking about in the United States, they're in charge of individual cities. And there's a king that presides over, I don't know, the city of Dallas, the city of Plano, the city of McKinney. These are cities that are in uh, North North Texas and the DFW area. Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, you've got, you've got kings that are in charge of that. New York City, you've got a king who's in charge of New York City. Maybe you might even want to split New York City down and have two kings in charge of different parts of it. I don't know. You got you got a king in charge of Atlanta. You got a king of in charge of of Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. You name it. You have smaller towns that are that where the kings are in, or queens are in charge of those as well. Highly decentralized, highly decentralized. Now this is a utopian kind of world. I don't know if we'll ever see this happen, and I, I'm not holding my breath. And I, I don't know if we'll ever see a highly decentralized set series of kingdoms and things of this nature. But in the end, many people say, well, what's to prevent against invasion of that type of system? You know, each individual city would have to have a military force if they if they so decide to, you know, in the event that invasion were to occur, you know, maybe they have an agreement that they would all contribute forces to defend themselves, I, you know, I, look, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, okay? But at, kings had armies. They could unite their armies with their local cities to, to form a defense against the overall invading group, right? It's the whole story with regards to the wall. Kind of depends on whether or not the king sees value in it. And if they do, then they'll have a military force. They'll have maybe alliances with other individuals in case that, that you know, an invasion group does occur. I, I don't know. Some Maybe something to that extent. All I'm trying to say is that that's the system that I, that I think would be the best system. It's just a lot of power that's just vastly decentralized. But that said... There would be, the reason is because each one of those kings, each one of those little cities would be more of a testing tube to see which ones would, would, which would do well and which ones wouldn't. And, you know, I, I suppose the ideal system would be one where the, the city had the choice of being a monarchy or it had a choice of not being a monarchy. 
And you give the cities the, 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 the choice. You give the communities the decision, what they wanted to do. Look, democracies are, are, are typically mob rule. They're, they don't go very well. But how can the people govern themselves if they don't even want, know what they want out of life? So I think personally, monarchy is the better system, but they're certainly not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. But that said, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter what system you believe in. I understand that even in a system like that, I know what would happen. You'd have one city that, that, that's very powerful and prosperous. They want to dominate everyone else. They might go to war. There, would, there might be a lot of fighting between cities, between kings and queens, between different systems. This is what we did, we've seen in human history because human nature is always one of centralizing power and authority. So eventually, yes, there will be situations where, you know, there will be certain powerful groups that want to battle and war with each other, but, and, and it, and they will forget eventually what created the prosperity, what created the peace, and then it'll all fall apart one way or the other. There is no system that's perfect. There is no system that's going to last for forever. There just isn't. And it's because of the sinful nature and the forgetfulness of humanity. See, we as people, as, as humans go, we are very forgetful. One generation values certain principles, the other generation doesn't. I mean, look at my generation and the generations that kind of surround my generation. And then look at the baby boomers the, and look at the, the, the people who lived during the time of the Great Depression. Look at those generations. They were very frugal. They saved. They invested. They had a longer time. They had a lower time preference. But then look at the, my generation now and the generations that surround mine. You know, they don't, they have higher time preferences. They don't save. They don't invest. They spend the vast bulk of what they make. Then they complain that they don't have enough. Do you think that, do you think that there are things there where they, that they forgot about? I think so. I absolutely do. There were principles, truths that were once held by former generations that they no longer believe anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what really destroys nations. Forgetfulness. Forgetfulness is absolutely what destroys nations. It's sad and it, 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 it sucks, but it's inevitable. Human nature makes it so. It's the sinful, fallen nature of man and the forgetfulness that results from that fallen nature. That's ultimately what destroys nations. Regardless of what political party you're, you support, regardless of what governmental system that you support regardless of all of that that's what destroys nations so i guess my message overall today is that we need to make sure that not only do we learn the lessons of past generations so we need to do a lot of research we need to engage in a lot of of research we need to read books we need to understand what really happened in the past and then what we need to do is we need to teach our children those things. We need to be very careful. We need to have a, a, a jealousy, a strong jealousy over who educates our children and the influences of our children. We need to ensure that we are influencing them far more 
than any other outside influence. And unfortunately, that's very difficult if you're engaging in private or public school and other somebody else is having your child's mind all day long and their friends are having their child's mind. When you remove them from the family unit, there are outside influences that are constantly attacking the minds of your children, which are going to be the next generation. So we need to guard that, guard their minds with a very, very vicious jealousy. Very much like the jealousy that God has when we start worshiping other gods and other idols and things of that nature. Very much like that. So we, we educate ourselves. We learn the principles that the Bible has taught us. We learn from history. And then we ensure that the next generation, we do the best we can to ensure that the next generation learns that as well, our children. And hopefully their children's children. We drill it into their heads. And we do our best. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening today, but I think it's something that we can turn around. And that is one thing that we can do to fight the forgetful nature of humanity. But in the end, ladies and gentlemen, and that's something that we can do. That said, guys, you know... That's going to be it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I just thought that it was kind of interesting. I kind of realized that whole idea that forgetfulness and, and man's sinful nature. I mean, I've always known that man's sinful nature was the cause of destruction for every system. But I never really had pinpointed it down quite to forgetfulness before. So I thought that was interesting, I, and I thought I'd create a, a cool podcast on it. And I, thought, I thought it was a pretty good one. So, you know, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey. This was a great episode. I absolutely very much enjoyed it. And hey, if you like what I'm doing here, then please give me a rating and review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the best ways. If you don't want to do a lot of the other stuff, that's one of the best ways to help support the show because you help me get my show on the map. You help me get on the rankings with regards to iTunes. It just helps make the show more visible and whatnot. So if you like what I'm doing here, if you come here, you're listening to me every single week, then look, please give me a rating and review on iTunes. And hey, again, if you like what I'm doing, then please also make sure to like the content, make sure to like the show wherever you're at whether regardless of what platform you're on make sure to like it and make sure to share it if you really are getting a lot of value out of this then don't be selfish make sure to share it with others around you and help benefit other people's lives i think this show is great i, I hope you do too and if you do please share the show help me get this th this message of financial freedom out there to as many people as we can get to listen odds are if you liking it, other people are going to like it too. So please you know, share the show and help me grow this message of financial freedom. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you're getting value out of this, then please consider uh, giving a donation to the show. If you really like this and you want to help me grow this message and spread this message to as many people as we get to listen, then please consider giving a donation, which not only gives me the ability to come in here and continue to, to create great value for you guys that you guys are loving, but it also gives me the ability to help spread this message and, and spread the show around, helps me to grow the show. So if you guys are getting a lot of value out of it, then please consider giving a donation to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the show today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, if you did, make sure to like and do all that stuff. And hey, if you will do all that for me, I will see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.